0: The Beatles are a pretty nice band, and we've got a lot to say. The Beatles are a pretty nice band, talk about them day after day. But we also love the outfit a lot, so are these songs better than your love? The Beatles are a pretty nice band, someday we'll judge if they're fine, oh yeah, someday we'll judge if they're fine.
1: One after 909. Trades! Remember those? Joe Biden does. Hey. Fuck. <laughs> well, this sounds like a cover of some 50s rock and roller, and it sort of is, because John wrote it when he was 15 or so. Uh, clearly, the Beals were in desperate need for material since John was slacking off and emotionally out the door. So yeah, not even John Lennon was making original brilliant work when he was starting out, and that's fine. He's human. I'm sure it makes young songwriters out there feel better about themselves, you know? Because, like, with any artistic endeavor, you you start off imitating what you hear what, what you read, and eventually you create your own style. Absolutely. Um, and I'll give John and Paul and a little, to George Harrison, credit. I think they put a lot more muscle into the song in 69 than they did in 63 when they originally recorded it. And um, it's fine. It's cute and fitting and all that because it gives the illusion of the Beatles going full circle on their final album. Chronologically, there's this song from the very beginning.
0: Yeah, it's a it's a very simple song, and, and that's fine because, you know, again, he wrote it when he was 15. Like, we all get better at our craft, you know, with repetition and, you know, learning. But I have to disagree with you, Roger. Son of a I bitch. actually prefer. <laughs> I'm being very polite about it. I, you are. Um, but you know what? <laughs> um,
1: but hey, f off. Um stab me in the back. I
0: <laughs> stab me in the back. Uh, I actually prefer the nineteen sixty three arrangement of this. Like I think it suits the song better because it's written to be like an old school rocker. Yeah. So it makes sense that it would have like that type of arrangement. Uh, and that isn't to say that i dislike what they turned it into for the let it be album it just feels less um classic like like on it like even though it's like quote unquote newer it feels more dated like it sounds like you know it sounds like british british white british boys trying to do the blues a little bit yeah whereas like you know the 50s rocker thing like feels very classic of its era and feels like timeless within that like in that, like, vein, I guess. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm not saying it I well. think I know what you mean, yeah. It's, it's just a better, like, version of that style, I think. Uh, and I've covered this song, too. It's a good, simple bar rocker, and I've done the... I've also, like, tended towards the 63 arrangement version
1: where it's... Yeah, which you can find on Anthology, and I I just think... I can't get over the fact that like the 63 version sounds like a parody of the, yeah. that music of that time, of the the fifties simple rock and roll. And, and I the,
0: mean, but that's what they were playing in the bars, right? Yes. In, so like they wrote they wrote their own version of
1: that. No, I, which, I, I understand, but you know I can't get over that. Like,
0: no, I, I understand. It it is, and it's pretty wild. I mean, I, 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 it's also be interesting to think about the world where like this came, this was on, like please, please me. Like, would this have been a single? Like, would it, would this have been one of those songs that would have become a hit because of like Beatlemania in the time?
1: Right. Uh, George Martin didn't think so. That's why. That's why I wasn't there. Why, but, yeah. The Beatles first recorded what after nine oh nine on the same day as "From Me to You" in nineteen sixty three. Remember that song? Yeah. But I, I think they made the right choice. Yeah. However, two bootleg versions by the Quarrymen exist, dating from 1960, one of which was featured in the Anthology TV series. Two other fascinating live recordings of the song exist, both from a 1962 rehearsal at the Cavern Club. Paul McCarty later explained how One After 99 was an attempt to write an American railroad song in the style of their musical heroes. He said it has great memories for me and John. I tried to write a bluesy freight train song. There were a lot of those songs at the time, like Midnight Special, Freight Train, Rock Island Line. So this was the one after 909. She didn't get the 909. She got the one after it. It was a tribute to the British Rail, actually. No, at the time we weren't thinking British. It was much more the Super Chief from Omaha. I don't know what the hell he's talking
0: The Super Chief line? I'm sure that's probably like a, an Amtrak
1: possibly. route.
0: Like the Ethan Allen line goes up to Albany.
1: Just something tells me they weren't writing they weren't singing about the New York City Mastra. Probably not. No.
0: Probably not. They'd never have been there. But they did I mean they loved America, obviously, but you know.
1: Although McCarty claimed the song was a collaboration based on an idea by John Lennon, his former songwriting partner remembered it as a solo effort. Huh. Let him mention in a number of interviews the significance of the number nine. His songs include Revolution Nine and Number Nine Dream, and a number of key dates in his life took place on the ninth of the month. John said, this, That was something I wrote when I was about 17. I lived at 9 Newcastle Road. I was born on the ninth of, no, of October, the ninth month. We'll get to that. (laughs) It's just a number that follows me around, but numerologically, apparently I'm a number 6 or a 3 or something. But it's all part of 9. So in John's defense, October should not be the 10th month of the year. Um, Octopi have 8 arms. Octagons have 8 sides. October, month 10. Yeah, fair. Doesn't make sense. Um... Do you ever have that? Do you have like a number that follows you around, Andrew?
0: I don't have a number that follows me around. I mean, like, I when I when I played baseball, um, I was eleven, and because I was just like, I'm 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 six two, so I'm kind of a tall person, and like was you know, skinny as a rail, mm-hmm. pitching on a on a mound as a lefty, so it's just like two legs, so it kind of fit. So I've always liked the number eleven. You're
1: Your lefty pitcher, and wow.
0: I was a southpaw, Randy Johnson. Over until here. I uh, until I blew my arm out and would have needed Tommy John surgery at the ripe age of fifteen.
1: Jeez. Yep. At
0: least you didn't kill oh, a bird. Well. I did not kill a bird, but I didn't throw very fast. So I, were, I was, I was, like, I, was a, I was a crafty lefty. I was one of those.
1: I feel like if you're in the right frame of mind, you could make it so like the num- numbers like blow your mind like i had a friend uh, sure i friend jill and um she she was like uh one day she's like oh i'm obsessed with the number five i don't know why you know and among other things like she loved david wright who wore number five and uh-huh. i'm like oh and you know your birthday is like a five and she's like what are you talking about and i'm like well her, your birthday's halloween right yeah well 1031 one plus zero plus three plus one is and she's like, oh, my God. Ah, ah, ah.
0: That's funny. <laughs> Do you have a number that you follow around? No. <laughs> no? I always watch my back. Let's
1: well, see if there's a number following. <laughs> no, I don't think Roll so. another
0: number for the road.
1: Like, my birthday's on the 27th. And mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, you know. Uh, I wore number eight. Um, when you played ball. Yeah. And I, cl- I was the catcher. So like Gary Carter. Yeah, that's was about am saying. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I don't think so. That's. But maybe I'm not paying attention. You
0: know. Is, well. I mean, I guess. So John has a thing with numbers, and then but Paul has a thing, has like the thing with. Synesthesia. Colors. Yeah. Yeah, synesthesia. So you know, again, it's like with you know to round it back to the Beatles here. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's a. The two songwriters, you know, complimenting each other with their, with their things, I like guess. With their superpowers. But, but they're, my superpower is numbers. My superpower is colors. Well, that makes no sense. <laughs> Let's write the finest catalog in the Western <laughs> canon.
1: But there's, like, math involved in uh, music theory, right? Oh, 100%. Yeah. Yes.
0: So I mean, triads, three. Like, th- I mean, as... As Schoolhouse Rock
1: magic has taught
0: us, three is a magic number.
1: Yeah, it is. On March 5th, 1963, the Beals were at Abbey Road to record their third EMI single, From Me to You. After completing the song at its B-side, Thank You Girl, they wanted to record two more Lennon-McCartney originals. They were What After 909 and What Goes On. But there was only enough time for one. And of course, What Goes On eventually made it on, uh, Rubber Soul, I believe. And Ringo got a little songwriting credit. They recorded four takes of one after 909, along with an edit piece which began at the guitar solo and lasted until the song's end. Throughout the session, they were unsure of the song's arrangement, with all but one of their attempts breaking down. The nineteen sixty three attempts sound rather more pedestrian than the nineteen sixty nine version. and clearly the Beatles and George Martin felt the recording was unsatisfactory. It remained unreleased until Anthology 1 in nineteen ninety five. Um the unreleased take
0: Well John does a John does a weird thing with his voice in, in the in the sixty three version where he's going show. Yeah. It's like kinda like doing a sh thing. I don't know. I, that was that's always strange to me. It's like did he have a tooth problem or well
1: on. um so yeah that that's uh that we're speaking of that. Um a new edit for Red one Wad Kabite takes four and five created a complete sixty three version of one after nine oh nine. The recording is most notable for the group's use of shed instead of said, a fairly common feature of their early EMI recordings. I think that's like most um apparent in a taste of honey, their cover of Taste of Honey. Tasting much sweeter than wine. The pulsings. And, and I think it was a way to um, eliminate sibilants, You know, not, up, not having a s- at noise. And I guess... yeah, I've, that's, I don't know where they picked that up. Um, but that was apparently a thing before, I guess, they figured out how to edit that out or you know, whatever. Well,
0: I mean, certain things when you're cutting records you know, like Certain things will, like, affect the groove or, like, you'll have trouble. It'll, it'll have trouble actually, like, cutting the groove. And I don't know if that would be one of those things. I probably should know that. Should know that. Should. But, you should. And you shall. But it's like when... And I shall. But, like, when, like in early recordings, when they're recording direct to acetate, like, direct onto, like, the thing they're going to press, like, you know, that's why drums sound so horribly recorded back then because that, like, the sound of that, like, the, rever- like, the vibrations that would, like, literally make the thing jump. Mm-hmm. Something's just so cut well. So, you know, Siblings probably is one of those things where we're, we're going to do that instead. Or, you know, maybe it's another one of those things where it's like the, instead of yes, 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 they did yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know.
1: doesn't sound, sounds so American, right? Uh, six years later, the group revisited the song with Billy Preston on keyboards. And the Beatles recorded a number of versions in January 1969. The Let It Be album film featured a performance from the roof of Apple on the 30th of January. The Beatles clearly enjoyed playing the song, and this time, George Harrison's solo was first rate. As the performance drew to a close, Lennon sang an impromptu line from Danny Boy. Three, two, one, not funny. Not funny. Not funny. Two versions of the Get Back album were prepared by producer-engineer Glenn Johns in 6970, although neither were deemed suitable for release, both opened with the rooftop performance of One After 909. The song was mixed by Phil Spector with no major changes. On March 23, 1970, it was released in May on the Let It Be album. One After 909 was remastered in 2003 for the original session tapes for Let It Be Naked. Uh, I want to hear the Glenn Johns mix. I think it's on YouTube, I'm not sure. Uh, I lo- think it's
0: on like the, the, the big box.
1: The big big old box?
0: Yeah, that big Let It Be box. Super deluxe. Super,
1: super deluxe. Uh,
0: Super duper deluxe.
1: Mm -hmm. Love Count Zero. (laughs) Josie Scale. Sorry, 15-year-old John. I give this a Josie.
0: Yeah, it's a Josie for me, too.
1: Womp womp.